Welcome to the Coffee Surf Yoga Wine Podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Tambio. Do you want to live a life that makes you happy, healthy, and well? On this podcast, we'll explore wellness insights and inspiration that will help you to cultivate more joy and well-being. I want you to live your best, most beautiful, and vibrant life. Because when we nourish ourselves, we nourish our families, our communities, and our world. Thank you for joining me on this journey to well-being. I'm so glad you're here. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Coffee Serve Yoga Wine podcast. It's been a few weeks since I put out an episode, and it is so good to be back. This podcasting journey has been an amazing experience thus far, and I'm continually working on integrating it into my life in a way that is manageable and sustainable. I am always striving to live my own coffee, surf, yoga, wine lifestyle. So the question is, how do I balance my many responsibilities such as work, family, exercise, nutrition, and this podcast? It is a constant work in progress, and I believe it comes down to thinking about what do I really value? How do I live intentionally to make my life a reflection of what I value? One thing that I value is total well-being, mind, body, and spirit. In order to experience this, I believe that we need to be intentional about our time. We need to build the habits or lifestyle that enable us to experience health and happiness and that support us in becoming the person that we really want to be. And that's what living a coffee, surf, yoga, wine lifestyle is all about. Living an intentional lifestyle of balanced joy and well-being. If total well-being is a value of yours and you'd like to take steps to live a life that supports that, I've created a guide to help you. The guide is called Four Tips for Living a Coffee, Surf, Yoga, Wine Lifestyle plus a Bonus Planner. This guide will help you to put the pillars of coffee, surf, yoga, and wine into action in your own life so that you can experience greater joy, balance, and well-being. The guide is completely free, so just click on the link in the show notes to access your copy. Once you've had a chance to use it, let me know what you think. What was the most helpful? What would you like to learn more about? Send me a message on Instagram at coffeesurfyogawine or send me an email at coffeesurfyogawine at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. I truly want to thank you for all of your feedback and engagement thus far. I value it so much and it helps me to provide more meaningful content to you. Now, on today's episode, I will be sharing a conversation with Kara Miller. Kara is an amazing yoga teacher and an accomplished marine biologist. She is also a good friend and one of my personal yoga teachers. In fact, she was one of the teachers of the 200-hour yoga teacher training that I completed in 2019. In our conversation, Kara shares beautiful insights and actionable tips that you can apply to your life today, and I know that you will get so much out of it. Kara grew up traveling, living, and working around the tropical Pacific, and she currently lives on the North Shore of Oahu. 
She holds a Bachelor of Arts in Marine Biology from the University of San Diego and a Master's of Science in Natural Resources and Environmental Management from the University of Hawaii at Manoa. She has worked for the federal government, including with NOAA Fisheries Service. Kara later started her own consulting agency, through which she led marine science camps and wellness and empowerment programs throughout the Pacific region. She also served as the first ever executive director of a social justice nonprofit advocating for Micronesians, Marshallese, and Palauans living in the United States. At the same time, yoga has been a parallel career for Kara. She has been actively teaching yoga since 2009, and she is a 500-hour certified yoga instructor. And she has taught yoga throughout Hawaii and internationally, including Indonesia, Micronesia, and the Marshall Islands. She started a yoga in the workplace program at the NOAA Fisheries Office in Honolulu that is still running today. She has taught in many studios on Oahu, and she currently teaches at the North Shore Yoga Co-op. In addition to this, Kara has also been scuba diving all over the planet since the age of 12, and she is a PADI certified dive master and naturalist diver with over 3,000 logged dives. Clearly, Kara has led a rich life and has so much to share. Our conversation was recorded in December of 2022, right before Christmas, and I am so glad to be getting this out to you now. Without further ado, the amazing Kara Miller. Well, hello, Kara. Welcome. It's so awesome to have you here today. How are you doing? Oh, thank you so much for inviting me on. I was so excited. I'm doing great today. I'm actually kind of enjoying this rainy morning we're having up here on the North Shore. It, you know, feels a little bit more like we can get cozy <laughs> Christmas spirit. <laughs> uh, and I'm and I'm doing great. Just looking forward to the holidays coming up. Yes, yes, me too. Um, yeah, nice cozy day that we have here in Hawaii. Yeah, so I am so excited to have you here to have this conversation with you today. You and I originally met through yoga. A friend of mine actually introduced me to you and to your yoga class. And eventually, I actually ended up taking your yoga teacher training. I was your student in your 200-hour yoga teacher training course, which was an amazing experience. And yet, in addition to being a yoga teacher, you're, you also have a very impressive career linked to the ocean. So I'm just wondering, can you share your story of these different parts of your life and how they've taken shape and evolved? Sure. That, that is a great question. Thanks, Carrie. I have a unique upbringing because my parents' work was in the Pacific Islands region, the more remote Pacific Islands region. It was medical work, but they were avid scuba divers. And so frequently where they would be for some nonprofit medical work would be a place where the scuba diving is also fantastic. And this is naturally the tropical Pacific Islands region. So since I was a kid, you know, I was going with them to many different islands and getting to know these places, people, cultures, the landscapes, the seascapes really shaped my path. So I knew, you know, I was the typical 
little girl that knew she wanted to be the marine scientist from a very young age and then actually was able to pursue that path. And it was largely through the support of my parents and experiencing so many different lifestyles among the Pacific Islands that really link humans to their environment, specifically to the ocean. And for me, that resonated on a very deep level and it it, it inspired me. So, you know, what started, I think, as maybe a hobby, yoga, and something that my mom and my auntie began when I was young, maybe 13 or 14 years old, you know, I wanted to go with my mom and auntie to yoga at the community center. So I think for yoga, what really started as a hobby, something I did with my mom and auntie for fun. I remember I didn't want to move up to the advanced class at the community center because I loved my teacher in the basics class. And, you know, because of the marine science path um, and my work being in the Pacific Islands, I was already very athletic, very active, surfing, diving, snorkeling, paddling. So yoga was never really um, the exercise for me until I was a little bit older. And I remember uh, I was in my undergrad studying marine biology and essentially didn't have time to surf and dive and do all of these activities in nature as I used to. So at that time, yoga did um, become more physical, more of a physical practice for me, which really opened my eyes, I think, to some of these dynamic, physical, sequencing styles of the vinyasa yoga lineages, uh, like the prana flows, they're called. And um, anyway, so I became very interested in learning more styles of yoga. I started to kind of shop around, but it was actually the marine science path. I was, I had just finished my bachelor's and I was traveling in Indonesia, a pretty remote area. And the owners of the little dive resort that we were at were Irish and Japanese. And the Japanese woman loved yoga and she really wanted to learn yoga. And I was between undergrad and grad school and I was open for an adventure and they essentially offered me a job while I was there visiting uh, to teach the wife yoga and be a dive guide. I'm a dive master, be a dive guide for them on the side. No real pay, but free room and board, free meals, as much diving as I want. And I'm living in a beautiful tropical island less than 5,000 people, no roads, a true tropical paradise and pristine ocean uh, reef and seascape. And so I would say it was then, and this was right before I moved back to Hawaii, but I was big island before. So right before I moved to Oahu, I was living on this little island and I was teaching yoga, although I wasn't formally trained in teaching. I had been practicing for already about seven or eight years at that time. So the long story, well, this is actually a rather long story, but to complete the story, you know, I had a profound experience kind of voluntarily teaching to many different travelers in addition to the Japanese owner of the resort. And the people that I met usually had never, ever tried yoga. I was teaching very basic beginner yoga but it was changing people's lives. They would, by the end of their trip, 
come to me and have some profound experience to share with me, including an older woman who had been estranged from her sister for something like 20 years. And she had through yoga decided she was going to heal that relationship. So big, profound things. And so me, I'm sitting here ultimately having not gone through a teacher training thinking, wow, you know, this might be a path that I am meant to pursue, at least on some level. Um, It feels that um, although I never had this in the plan, it is something at least worth getting formally trained in. And so I I went over to Kripalu, which is the center I did my 200-hour training at, which is on the East Coast of the United States, believe it or not. And, you know, I actually spent almost seven weeks there. It was a very long extensive and intensive study of yoga, which was the, the solidifying of the yoga path, I think, as my spiritual path, my life path. It has, as you know, Carrie, being a student in the 200 hour, it has essentially developed into somewhat of a parallel career of sorts. However, I'm really blessed and grateful that financially it has been my marine science and fisheries work and career that I've relied on financially. And so yoga has never needed to be that for me, which is important because I I find, you know, the gift of teaching yoga, something so um, important, I would never want it to become a financial reliance for me. So that is how the ocean and yoga paths kind of merged. And, you know, as you know, everywhere there are, there are people who can benefit from the teachings and practices of yoga everywhere in the world. In a sense, it's a universal language, like just being loving and kind is as well. So in all of these Pacific islands, um, I'm getting to know community and I'm I'm teaching yoga on the side. And it's been incredibly rewarding getting to share yoga with people from a different culture, language, background, yet really just coming together um, in this beautiful practice. So I'm so um, grateful that I get to do both and kind of at the same time simultaneously even but it it is a bit of a juggle sometimes as well. Yeah, well, there is um, so much to unpack in your story. It's such an amazing story and such a beautiful one. I guess to start, how do you think that, you know, for people who are just really deeply entrenched in their careers and in their families, you know, how can yoga help them to find balance in their lives? That is such a fantastic question. and. Even those of us with regular yoga practices, even we know that the hardest part really is carving out the time to come to the mat. It can be the actual yoga mat or the proverbial yoga mat and be in the practices of yoga. So people who have busy lifestyles, careers, especially those with careers who are also parents, I find that however, yoga can be incorporated more informally to be a really great place to start, knowing that actually carving out 45 minutes or an hour to roll out the yoga mat, put on a video or something like that um, might feel like more work 
I think finding times in the day to practice mindfulness is a really profound practice. And what that would look like is anywhere you are, just stopping what you're doing and essentially connecting with your breath and maybe observing your environment right as it is right at that time without judgment. And along the same lines of that, people who have jobs where they're mobile all the time, maybe pausing, standing in a Tadasana, anatomical position, and connecting with their breath, maybe taking five deep breaths down into the stomach, or people who are more sedentary, pausing, and just for even one minute, pausing in the chair. And I like to think of the spine as the basis for movement. And then, so just going through the basic movements of the spine, the lateral bending, the twisting, the arching and rounding. So I think that is the best place to start. Just carving out these very natural pukas where you don't need to even move from where you are, but just pausing where you are and slipping in a little bit of mindfulness or some short movement is a really good way to start. Yeah, I love that. And I totally agree. I think that that is a really great way to just work it in, in a very small and doable way into our lives and our, you know, our daily lives. Um, and I think what you're talking about is, is starting to have that self-awareness even of when do we need to move our body or when are we starting to get stressed out? When do we need to bring in our breath? That's what I really love about yoga is it helps us to build that and cultivate that self-awareness of our body and, and our mind. So, you know, you spoke, you're speaking a lot about uh, breath and you also spoke about prana earlier. So can you tell us what is pranayama? And, you know, you're already kind of speaking about it and a little bit, but can you tell us more about how it can support us in our daily lives? Do you have any like practices or something that somewhat simple practices that somebody could do just to incorporate this into our lives? Yes, this is a this is a really great question. I love what you just said also in response to the last question about cultivating more self-awareness to know when to essentially maybe interrupt a thought process that isn't serving us or an emotional response that is taking us out of our our bodies. And I feel breath and pranayama that's really the practice that can be the most effective for essentially shifting the nervous system and the mind. And the reason why um, is because really pranayama, pranayama, you can split it into the two Sanskrit words of prana and yama. And essentially yama, we might recognize from our eight limbs of yoga, the first two being the yamas and the niyamas. So we loosely translate yamas and niyamas are restraints and disciplines, but let's stick with the restraints, the yama restrain or control, or even just disciplining. That's really what we're doing with prana in the practice of pranayama. So it literally translates to restraint of the life force or control of the life force energy. And in yoga, 
the most accessible in my experience of practicing, the most accessible tool to utilize to change your prana is breath through your breathing. And that's why the yogis have developed so many different breathing techniques and breathing exercises that are put into this pot of pranayama. But I think it's it's worth differentiating because in this day and age, with more and more people coming into the practices and teachings of yoga, it is diluted, as happens to many other things. So in the, in the, you know, to honor the practices and the real teachings, I think it's important to differentiate pranayama is not breathing. And a lot of people think pranayama is breath work. Breath work has become a thing of its own. Breath work isn't really from yoga, actually. It's from other disciplines. So it's important to differentiate. Pranayama is really with this intention, this underlying intention of shifting your life force energy. And this is profound. I mean, this is deep stuff here. This is the life force is essentially what allows yoga to take place. Me as Kara, my consciousness, my mind, my consciousness, which are two different things, and my whole field of energy, my prana, through the life force, essentially growing and building. And in yoga, we say rising towards your third eye. Essentially, this is how I connect with the universe, with divine consciousness, with source. So that's how I would define pranayama. We utilize breath to manipulate our prana. So sometimes when life force is low, a lot of people like to say ki, chi, or even from Hawaiian culture, mana. A lot of people like to say those are similar concepts, and I can see why. A lot of similarities. So you can tell when someone's energy is a little dull or dim, maybe when I'm feeling um, really stressed, maybe I'm tired physically, I'm stressed mentally, maybe my heart's aching emotionally, spiritually, I'm just feeling kind of dry. That would be an experience of low life force energy. So for me, it's what you said, Carrie, it's first about like, where am I? What experience am I having right now? Learning to catch that before it goes on too long, right? Learning to catch that and say, okay, I'm feeling like I'm trying to go to bed and my mind is just all over the place. And so I'm feeling I need maybe balancing or grounding of my nervous system, of my mind, of my life force. So I would think, okay, well, what breathing exercise or technique can offer me that, that balancing of my mind and nervous system. And I would probably choose alternate nostril breathing, which can be done really simple and quickly throughout your day. And even just doing it for one minute can profoundly shift how I feel in my mind or brain. But then on the other side of it, going back to maybe feeling dull and tired and sluggish. Okay. How can I use my prana? You can, it's almost like a brain trick. So even if your brain is still feeling stressed, you can trick your brain by manipulating your prana 
through your nervous system and your breath. So I would choose a more heating, invigorating, energizing breathing exercise to build prana in my body. And I might just feel the shift afterwards, even if I haven't really done too much actually on the mind. It's an indirect effect to reach the mind. And essentially yoga does work largely through our energetic field, as well as our nerve, our nervous systems, both the parasympathetic and the sympathetic. That's why breathing is so powerful because it helps us access these dimensions of ourself. So I hope that answers the question. I know you want, maybe wanted more kind of things anyone can do throughout their day. And if they don't really know breathing techniques per se, using the diaphragm and taking five diaphragmatic breaths. A lot of us breathe in the upper portion of our lungs all all of our lives, but actually it's the bottom third of our lungs that absorb oxygen most effectively. All the free divers know this. And then the diaphragm, which is down in the lower abdomen, the diaphragm mechanism, it's a muscle the more we utilize that, the more our absorption ability increases. So even more than we're able to take in these vital nutrients. So I would say for somebody that wants to use some breathing to shift their prana during the day, diaphragmatic breathing, and they can put their hands on their belly to make sure they're accessing it. Then just really tune into the breath. I offer closing the eyes that helps tune in and then breathing into the diaphragm, belly expanding on the inhale, maybe add a little pause at the top. Pauses between the breaths help build prana too. And then a big exhale, all the way, pulling the belly in back to the spine to deflate the breath out. I would say just some diaphragmatic breaths can be really useful to pick people up or help them reground during the day. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I, I really appreciate that. I like, I do like that practice of breathing into the belly and just feeling it ex- and expand like a balloon kind of, cause you're right. We don't often do that unless we do it consciously and it does shift the way that we feel when we're able to do that. One breathing practice that I like to do, I don't know if you've heard of the four, seven, eight breath uh, with Dr. Andrew Weil. Have you heard of that breath? I have heard of it. Yeah, I really like doing that breath um, practice because it's so simple and it actually works so well and you can do it in a couple of minutes, you know? So I that's something that I like to do and I found that it really does clear my mind. Like if I'm starting to feel kind of foggy or just stressed or anxious, if I use that breathing technique, it actually really helps me Yeah. So it's just breathing in for four. And I think if you do it through your diaphragm and, you know, kind of bringing your stomach out like that balloon, then that that's a really great way to do it. And then holding it for seven and then breathing out for eight and just repeating that maybe three or four times. And I I don't know, I've found that practice to be really effective. Yes. Adding that pause of seven at the top and then mm-hmm. drawing the exhale out twice as long as the inhale there is 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 so effective, like you're saying. It's definitely one of my favorites too. Yeah, you know, I remember you also teaching us um, in yoga teacher training about breath 
always yeah. loved that acronym as funny yeah. as it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound funny, but it's actually another, I mean, again, it, it, it requires us to have consciousness and awareness of how we're feeling, but if we have it, it's a great tool that we can use to kind of enable us to move through things um, in a in a better way. So I don't know, are you able to take us through what Brefois is? Absolutely. It's, it's really warming my heart that that's one thing that you remember and that stood out to you in the training, because that is something I very intentionally incorporated from Kripalu yoga. And Kripalu yoga is really special because it's so relevant for when we're living our busy lives. And so this is exactly one of those tools that's very much meant to be transferable to life. So I'm just so happy that that you brought it up. And Brifwa starts with breathe. So going back to this idea, which you really eloquently brought up of observing, like remembering to pause and observe the breath. And it can be at any time, including when perhaps one is having an unideal emotional response to something. And let's let's actually use that as the example. So usually for me, when I'm having a bit of a a stress-driven response to something, my breath will become shallow it will definitely shorten. And when I say shallow, it's definitely not reaching the diaphragm. So perhaps when I start to relax, so brifwa, we're now breathe, relax. So perhaps now when I'm trying to relax the breath, because I've become aware that it's not reaching the diaphragm, I'm trying to relax as I'm observing the breath. And that's really what comes into the next letters of this acronym. So the next brifwa, the next letter is F, which is feel. And that's what you're really doing when you're watching. It's essentially receiving your feelings. That's really what the W is. Receiving your feelings, observing them. Because so often it's hard for many people to connect with what they're feeling. So I think the idea behind the idea behind the F and even the next one, Brif Wa, W, watching, is, is really uh, receiving this like, wow, okay, okay, this is what's going on. I'm feeling, watching, and Brif Wa, the A is allow, which can be challenging because observing something and receiving something is profound in itself and in a something someone should be proud of in itself, being able to really tap in to something they're feeling, but then it's so common to immediately think I shouldn't be feeling this. Why am I feeling this? I don't want to be feeling this. And so that's the A is about the allowing, the allowing. And this is a, this is a big step, I think, in processing an experience, whether it's a deeply traumatizing one or a simple one as as simple as someone being rude in the line at the grocery store or something driving. But I think essentially um, using the breath, using the breath to essentially tune it to what you're, what's going on, breathing, feeling what is 
happening with your breath and then watching and feeling in that sense where you separate just enough. I am not this experience permanently. I am not this feeling permanently allowing. And it's funny because that's Brifwa, breathe, relax, feel, watch, allow. But then one of my teachers at Kripalu adds another A to extend the awe and they add an action after that. Once you've allowed, essentially there is a choice. What action would either help boost me or help me move on or help me let go or help me come to resolve with this. So that is one kind of extra A that sometimes we add on to Brifwa. Awesome. Thank you so much for explaining that. Um, I know I put you on the spot to to explain that whole thing. You know what? I think that Brifwa can be so powerful because a, a lot of times I think as we go throughout our days, we can get triggered by little things, you know? I mean, as a parent, for example, uh, one thing that triggers us all the time can be our kids. You know, they can do something, we get triggered. And I think that if we have these tools in place in which we can give ourselves a moment in which we can choose a better response, um, I think it comes in so helpful. Uh, I know that that's something that I'm always working on. And it's something that I've, that yoga, I think has helped me to get better at, you know, to recognize when I'm being triggered and how I can go through a process in order to respond in a better way. Um, because that is also, I think, related to our energy and, you know, that our prana, what we're bringing into the world and how we're showing up is how we're responding to the things that are happening. So, yeah, thank you so much for explaining that. <laughs> That's beautiful, Carrie. And that is really the goal to be incorporating these in, in our lives, just as you've described. So that's really encouraging to hear. You know, I know that I noticed when I was uh, looking at your LinkedIn profile that you also started a yoga in the workplace program um, when you were at NOAA. So can you tell me about that program and why you decided to start it? Yes. Thank you so much for reading that. And I'm really proud of that program because it's still going to this day. And it's been many, many years since I left NOAA. So it just really warms my heart that it's been institutionalized and there have been willing people to keep it going. But this is related to your question about finding balance amidst careers and busy lifestyles. And when there's an employer that's progressive and invested in their employees enough to support incorporating in breaks during the workday for somebody to step outside and breathe some fresh air, go for a short walk, take a short yoga class. I mean, I hope that's the way all of our businesses and industries and sectors are moving. I see it happening more and more. But back then, there wasn't too much of that happening. And NOAA being the National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration, part of our federal government, a very large government agency with hundreds of employees working there, essentially a very corporate feel, a lot of bureaucracy. Not only do people sit in desks typing a lot, which stiffens up the neck, the shoulders, the back, the wrists, the hips, pretty much everything, but also mentally, um, it can be stressful. 
And working in fisheries and marine conservation, there's usually very passionate people who are very emotionally invested in their work. So there's also some, I think, emotional stress that goes on. So for all of these reasons, I was really passionate to try to bring a regular scheduled yoga class to our awesome gym that we had in the new NOAA building, which is over at Sand Island, not that new anymore, but it was then there was a perfect space for yoga, even with a whole mirror wall. I do have mixed feelings about mirror walls, but another just great facet for a yoga class. But because of it being the federal government, there being a lot of red tape, I essentially had to go all the way to the top of building management, um, upper executive level management, um, to get all these approvals. There was some liability. I had to, you know, hoops to jump through. I absolutely stayed committed and did all of that. And then once we were good to go, it just really took off. And not only was it something that allowed people to take, you know, to be disciplined around taking a break, stepping away for the, from the computer and calming their minds, like letting work go for a second, bringing, bringing, grounding into their mind again, but it also became a community where people working in different programs that maybe who knows would have had a misperception about one program. Now they're getting to meet people from that program, which also just builds bridges between groups of people that tend to work in silos, which happens in any kind of corporate setting. When we there's more we have in common, more that we have similar than not. So I really loved how that naturally happened as well. And I, I personally was able to meet some amazing people from other programs I never would have before. And it was a an opportunity for all of us to be more disciplined at honoring our bodies and minds and taking breaks throughout the busy workday. So I'm just so thrilled that it's still happening to this day. That is so awesome to hear. And basically what you just described, like the whole thing about sitting at the desk and, you know, getting the stiff neck and like, you know, being emotionally invested in your work and being in silos and everything that you just explained is exactly what I experienced, you know, working in education. It's the same exact thing. Um, and, you know, I think that there's a big emphasis now, or there's starting to be more of an emphasis on well-being, fortunately, you know, especially since the pandemic, um, we're starting to get more emphasis on that, but we still have a really long way to go. So can you tell me a little bit more? I'm really interested to know about some more of the details and dynamics of what your program looked like. Like, how did you fit this into the workday? And, you know, were people just doing it in their regular work clothes or, you know, what type of movements were you doing that they could actually do, you know, just by stepping away from their desk for a few minutes and, and, you know, getting into something. Really good question. So some of the specifics were related to some organizational changes that were also taking place as you're describing around employee well-being. So we were, given approval by our executives that we could allot an one hour window per week to fitness, yoga, mindfulness. So we did it during lunch break 
because typically everybody's taking an hour break anyway. I believe on those days, they just opted to eat their lunches at their desks while working. And instead of taking that lunch break, even though technically we were allotted an hour in itself, not an hour of lunch break, just to be clear. But I think people were just kind of in that routine. So I definitely chose it to be at lunchtime, the same time, the same day, every week. And it was actually a 45 minute long class. I think I'm pretty positive. It was a 45 minute long class. And I was really easygoing about people that could just come for 20 minutes or needed to come later, leave early, of course. And I definitely was informal about what people wore, but I advised everybody to at least wear clothes they can stretch in. So most people did change into clothes, gym clothes to stretch, but not everybody. Not everybody would change. And lots of times, especially the men would not change and be in their khaki pants or something. And so, yes, great question. We weren't doing a power vinyasa flow by any means, but we were definitely doing enough movements to get into all six movements of the spine. So usually some variations of sun and moon salutations, sun salutations to get the down dogs and chaturangas and up dogs and nice elongating stretches and tadasana and deep hamstring and low back stretches and forward folds. We were doing a lot of lunar flows to get into the lunges, the lunging, more hip stretches and more side body stuff. You know, it would definitely make a difference who would come. And so always being very um, open-minded about what kind of class we're going to have today. Some people maybe were coming wanting a bit more and that's not what they got that day. You can never cater to everybody there, but I think keeping it really accessible is the most important thing for a workplace, especially. And I also remember it was hard for everybody to have yoga mats. So we got into the habit of doing practices with towels or like, or nothing, but most people would bring like a towel that didn't have a yoga mat. So we didn't do a ton of down dogs. For example, down dog is actually, as you know, a really hard pose for a lot of people. We didn't do too many down dogs. Sometimes we would have practices where we weren't moving down like to seated and back up too much. Most things up and just stepping into warrior poses, stepping and then maybe getting down for the end. Or we would have a class where we would stay down more, a lot of tabletop, a lot of floor stretches, maybe some core and inverting from the ground. Um, I remember that as well, trying to keep not as much up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. As you know, some of that can be really challenging for a lot of people and also just incorporates a bit more potential for people to get dizzy and things like that. And I didn't shy away from arm balances. There were some people that wanted and were capable. And so kind of in my true style, as you know, of just taking a break for a minute, like 
letting people do their own thing against the walls. And, and that was also a good time for me to kind of walk around, talk to people a bit more. What, what are you working on? Where do you feel pain? Oh, try this stretch. So we did always have that, that kind of minute to break, which helps people get their own, you know, practice into. Cool. Well, thank you for explaining all those details about the logistics. I'm just really curious because I think that it's such a good idea to try to bring this into our work lives, you know, because yeah, we are so, we do, we get so stressed out and we get so focused during work and we do great work, but I think we also need to take those pauses to kind of recenter ourselves and just make ourselves feel good in our bodies so that you know, we can get back to our work. But so yeah, thank you for sharing all of that. Coffee, Surf, Yoga, Wine, um, this podcast, it's about living a lifestyle of joy, balance and well-being. So as a professional, as you are, you know, and a yoga teacher and all of the many things that you are doing, how do you manage to keep yourself in that state of joy and balance and well-being? With yoga, surf, coffee, and wine, obviously. (laughs) Oh, okay. All right. So you practice all four of those pillars then. (laughs) Oh, I just love it because I love all four of those things. Absolutely. And, you know, in yoga, we believe, well, there will be different schools of thought on this, but moderation is very important for maintaining peace of the mind. And, you know, I think the yoga practice, I think of right away in Sanskrit, it's um, defined as klishta and a klishta. This is from Patanjali's yoga sutras and klishta is a charge, a charge on something. A klishta is just neutral. And I believe when you can get too rigid, you end up increasing the likelihood of a charge of some kind. Maybe not for some people, maybe not for me personally, Absolutely. Moderation is something that I practice. So whenever, you know, I am in the yamas and the niyamas, the restraints and the disciplines, I, I see those as foundations for a path that keeps me joyful and peaceful. And, but that's, that's very personal. So what are the disciplines that I know I really depend on? They will be different for you to me. So that's important that I'm not, you know, prescribing something for everybody to do. I really think it's important for everyone to use yoga to get to know themselves better. And through this yoga journey, a big part of it is self-inquiry. You know, find your hacks. For me personally, a morning routine is extremely important. In my morning routine, it's important that I get into all four of my key dimensions, the physical, the emotional, the mental, the spiritual. It's important for me in my morning routine to access all four of those dimensions. So I will do some kind of movement. I like to work out or surf or hike or jog, something like that, but pretty short, you know, an hour or less. Um, I definitely like to think about my intentions for that day, maybe write them down, um, sometimes in, in that mental and emotional kind of comes together at this point, I'll use affirmations because I find affirmations are really helpful for me mentally and emotionally for me to stay peaceful and collected and clear about how I want to be showing up that day. Um, 
emotions for me are very tied to the physical and mental practices. As long as I'm sticking with my physical and my mental practices, my emotional self is, is fantastic, but being a bit of an emotional being and being raised with a lot of emotions around me all the time, it is something that I work on very actively, very actively. And I utilize breathing absolutely using those diaphragmatic breaths and using the four, seven, eight. I love that you, it's one of my absolute favorites for me. It works very well. And I will incorporate some tapping. I think anyone can just Google tapping for calming down or tapping for anxiety. And you can find a lot of really basic videos to follow. For me, it really helps. So I'll use tapping with the breathing. Um, that will happen during the day, during the day, during the day. And, you know, I think the other thing is really just, it's a daily practice for me building more love for myself and exactly where I am in my path. I can tend, I can tend towards perfectionism. So it is important, an important practice for me just around accepting myself exactly where I am. So when I do kind of have a bad day or struggle, um, just, you know, brush it off, getting back up and getting right back on the path, really trying to limit any brooding, self-loathing, negative self-talk. Self-talk is a big one for me personally. So that's something in this last year, I've seen some vast improvements on in my own subtle um, internal world. And I, I really think it's through these things that I've just outlined, the morning routine that accesses those four dimensions, using some of these hacks during the day, if I feel myself getting off a bit. I think sleep and diet are the other two big things and moderation it can come into the diet. I'm not someone that's like, no, don't eat the cupcake or don't drink the wine on the contrary. Um, but definitely in moderation and, and knowing how it impacts you, if sugar impacts you terribly, maybe you should be more disciplined about it. If alcohol impacts you more heavily, maybe be more disciplined around it, but absolutely to each their own. Um, you know, in the ocean, the ocean is a really, really big thing for me. Spending time in, near, around the ocean, not just because of my upbringing and lifestyle, but because of where we are here. And I think anybody that lives near an ocean has the same gift. The ocean is the oldest body of life that we know of essentially on earth. And it's such a vast, vast ecosystem. And we can learn a lot from just observing the ocean. And essentially, I think of the ocean as just another one of my teachers. And so I really, um, I'm really grateful for the time I'm able to spend in near around the ocean. I think that aids in a very deep way to my inner peace as well. Yeah, well, I completely agree with you about the ocean. Um, as a surfer, I find that same sense of peace and calm um, and rebalancing when I'm in the ocean. Um, and you brought up so many awesome points. Uh, I love so many of the things that you said about self-love and how having that self-love can actually help us to cultivate resilience. Um and help us to move forward in our lives and, you know, being conscious of that self-talk and choosing instead those positive affirmations 
And also thanks for mentioning tapping. Um, I actually just started learning about tapping earlier this year, but you know, it's, it's such an awesome tool and strategy that we can use if we remember to use it. So yeah, um, I'm, I'm totally into that. I'm sure we could have a whole conversation just about that topic, but thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> that's, so, that's so cool hearing you've been exploring it the last year, because I, I think that in an educational setting, especially because it's something mm -hmm. anyone can do mm -hmm. of any age, high or low understanding, you don't even really need to understand what you're doing. I think that it could be something useful for a classroom setting. I know meditation and mindfulness has been working its way into more and more classrooms, but I don't think tapping quite has yet. Yeah, I think that there's a building awareness about tapping. Yeah. Um, and so hopefully it will continue to spread. Yeah. But um, yeah, it is it is such a simple thing that we can do to try to move through things that we're feeling and experiencing. Well, Kara. Uh, thank you for sharing all of those things. You have really graced us with so much wisdom and insight during this conversation. So thank you so much. And you are doing so much amazing work in the world. So how can others connect with you? This has been so fun. I have so much respect and love for you, Carrie, and I'm really honored that you invited me to come on. So thank you so, so much. This was a blast as I knew it would be. And I love connecting with people. I love connecting with people. Wherever I am in any way, I'm that door open at all times person. Um, I'm trying to get back to my Instagram and be a little bit more present on there. I took a long hiatus during the pandemic, but my Instagram, all one word is Kara Ocean. My name is spelled with a K, Kara Ocean. And you'll find a lot of what we talked about on there. You'll definitely find surf, yoga, and I think some coffee and wine will be on there as well. <laughs> Maybe not wine directly. <laughs> well, you and, know, when I think of wine, I think of that yeah. pillar. I think of it as part of it is our connection with others. So really, it actually is yeah. a part of what we're talking about right now. So I think that really a lot of what you show up in the world and is around that pillar of wine and what it symbolizes and represents. Oh, thank you for saying that. I love that because you know, something we've been doing more of in the last year is kava ceremonies at home because we've actually taken a bit of a break from alcohol. And I love that because that's what it's all about in kava as well, connecting with others. So yes, People can connect with me via my Instagram, Kara Ocean, or they can come take a yoga class with me at the North Shore Yoga Co-op, which is a amazing gem of a space. If you've never been there, it's off of Farrington Highway, right past Wailua High School. And I teach there Thursday evenings and Saturday mornings. And you can also email me. And um, I like to try to live in kindness and compassion. And thus my email is live ahimsa, one of the first of the yamas, which we've talked about a lot today. So maybe you could remember that actually live ahimsa is my email at gmail.com. But I try to be responsive um, on any of those mediums, the Instagram or the email, and definitely would love to see anybody that's based on Oahu in a yoga class sometime. 
Fantastic. Thank you so much, Kara. Um, this has been amazing. And I'm so grateful that you were able to join me today. So thank you so much. You're so welcome, Carrie. Thank you too. Wow, what a fabulous conversation. Kara is so knowledgeable and she shared some really useful tips and insights that we could start applying to our lives today. Some of the key takeaways were, number one, that yoga changes people's lives. It is a universal language that everyone around the world can benefit from. Next, one profound way to incorporate yoga into our busy lives is through mindfulness. This means stopping, connecting with your breath and observing your environment exactly as it is without judgment. Number three, a great place to start for busy people with a career and kids is carving out natural pukas or spaces to pause and slip in a bit of mindfulness or movement. Number four, our breath can shift our nervous system and the mind. It is so powerful. Learning to be aware of the level of our prana or life force energy enables us to take action to shift it. Next, diaphragmatic breathing can be used to shift our prana or reground us during the day. Practicing the 478 breathing technique is another effective practice. Another practice is brefwa, which stands for breath, relax, feel, watch, and allow. This is a tool that we can use when we are having a stress-driven or unideal emotional response. We can also add another A for action, which reminds us that we always have a choice to choose how we respond in any given situation. Incorporating yoga into the workplace can have positive effects. It can build bridges and community between people who might not normally have an opportunity to interact. It can also help us to be more disciplined about honoring our bodies and minds by taking breaks throughout the busy workday. Finally, yoga is about self-inquiry and through yoga, we can get to know ourselves better. If you enjoyed this conversation or got something out of it, please remember to subscribe to the podcast and to leave a review. It helps so much and would mean so much to me to hear about how this podcast is impacting you. Also, if you know someone who would benefit from this episode, please share it with them. As I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, I am super excited to let you know that I now have a free guide available for you called Four Tips for Living a Coffee, Surf, Yoga, Wine Lifestyle Plus a Bonus Planner. This resource is completely free and will help you to live intentionally to create more balance, joy, and well-being in your life. Get your copy today by clicking on the link in the show notes or on my Instagram bio at Coffee Surf Yoga Wine. Send me a personal message and let me know how I can help you to live your Coffee Surf Yoga Wine lifestyle. What question do you need answered? Or what resource would help you the most? What topics would you like to hear about on the show? I would love to hear from you. Till next time, may you be well and enjoy some coffee, surf, yoga, and wine.